Welcome to Micro, a podcast for short but powerful writing. I'm your host, Drew Hawkins. This episode features three interesting and quirky pieces of microfiction. With references to the Mothman prophecy, TIE fighters, and megachurches, you really won't know what to expect, but you'll nevertheless be safely guided by well-crafted narratives that deliver surprising and compelling stories. Up first, we've got a piece called The Girl Who Had a TIE Fighter for a Nose, which was written by Jonathan Cardew and published by The Forge Literary Magazine on July 4th, 2016. Please enjoy. The girl who had a TIE fighter for a nose. Kissing was a problem. The dimensions of the TIE fighter made it almost impossible to do it erotically, if that's what she had a mind for. Finding a boy who was into TIE fighters wasn't a problem. With a cargo capacity of 65 kilograms, two days of consumables, an acceleration of 20 mglt per second, the TIE Fighter was the premier airborne attack system in the Galactic Empire's already impressive arsenal. It was not good for getting cuddly with a boy, though, and this is what she took exception to. Just when things were getting warm, the light ion cannons would go off or the two chin-mounted SFS-L-S1 lasers would start pulsing, and the boy would understandably become uncomfortable, edge away. It did have one advantage, however. With a sophisticated subspace AE-35 transceiver on board, not to mention passive scan-search-focus sensors, the TIE fighter could, with a simple twitch of her nose, render the boy immobile, at which point she would kiss him, which felt a bit grubby, but needs must. Still, there was this issue with the dimensions, aligning the TIE fighter so she could position her lips on the boys. His two wings were excellent for operating in both space and planetary atmospheres, but they were bulky and cumbersome, not streamlined like an X-wing's, which, to be fair, had its own set of problems. She had to cock her head this way and that. She had to disable the two concussion missile launchers, chin-mounted on either side of the cockpit's frontage. She had to really mean it. The boy would stare through the transparisteel viewport, the SFS-F-S 3.2 flight avionics control system lights flashing, a pin-sized TIE pilot in situ, his flight helmet and life support chest piece buffed to a black shine. No doubt at the complete beck and call of the girl. Since she had gone to all the trouble, he would usually kiss her back. Jonathan Cardew is an expat British writer of flash fiction, short stories, and befuddled genre pieces featured in such places as Cream City Review, Passages North, Tramp Set, 100 Word Story, and more. You can find him on Twitter at Cardew J. Cardew, 
or on his website at jonathancardew.wordpress.com. This next one is as interesting as it is stressful. It's called Back Again. It was written by Sean Ennis and published by Diagram on October 31st, 2020. Enjoy. Back Again. I'm more afraid of flying than my son, and if I have a vodka soda, that might crash my life. So instead, I ask him urgent questions about our favorite sports team as the plane rackles and clacks down the runway. I've been told by someone who's not a pilot that there are 90 critical seconds after a plane takes off. Survive that. You're golden. So just count. My son listens to worse hip-hop than I did at his age but at least we don't have the same generational fight about whether it is music. He bobs his head through the cloud ceiling and I lose count after 45, thinking on the three stories in the last month I've read about passengers trying to open the emergency exit mid-flight. What a move. When we're at cruising altitude, I let him lift the window shade and he says, beautiful, a word only few 13-year-old boys remember. For his grandparents waiting in the terminal, my son is from a different country and in the future. Precious time, you are hardcore. It's been 50 years since we went to the moon, and once, 30 years ago, I remember seeing an alien at my bedroom window and saying, wait right there. Now, mentally, I know it must have been a trick of the light, maybe some climbing nocturnal critter, but my heart, which can be skeptical and small, has no doubts on this occasion. Like my son, who quotes YouTube that the moon landing was fake, is just trying to get a rise out of his old man. Asked at a dinner party once to describe the Mothman phenomenon, I said, sometimes it's best to think past what you know. And duh, there's grilled pork tenderloin and squash, fried mozzarella with tomato, black rice, there's its red eyes, its symmetrical wings, claws, either believe or don't. Just because they recorded it doesn't make it real, seems to be the attitude in 2020. But back to dinner. No, it just got pleasant and uneventful after I shut up. The rain never materialized. The pound cake dusted with sugar was somehow perfect. But Google deep fakes and tell me that in the future, the past won't be made up. Off that aforementioned plane and back in Old City after 15 years, somehow it seems safer and more modern, watching the sunlight on the street, awash in free Wi-Fi. I get historical on my son over water ice. Short, Betsy Ross's house is just blocks away. We could barely fit through the door. Don't you want to go? It's the 4th of July in Philadelphia, so I take a photo for some tourists. They called me Buddy in English. I was happy to do it. Welcome America is really self-care. Now, back home, always back somewhere, my co-worker is in excruciating pain. Before the trip, he was fine, mobile, but now it takes him minutes just to leave the lab. 
His feet are almost turned backwards when he walks. He got old in a week, though he couldn't have even graduated yet. We're co-workers, but we don't speak. He math, me arts. So what the fuck happened to him? What if he falls? Some comment on his condition seems necessary. His chair has wheels, and he's just rolling around. As you can tell, I'm trending towards more fearful and anxious as I get older. The answer is not in the back of the book. Think more the black widow I found hiding behind the screen door. Still, I'm capable of these ecstatic moments, like how far I've come, 525 miles per hour ground speed. Planes don't crash from turbulence, but lots of people cry during flight. Sean Ennis lives in Mississippi and is the author of Chase Us Stories. You can find him on Twitter at SeanEnnis110 or on his website at SeanEnnis.net. Our final piece is an impressive, singular, rambling sentence that manages to take us through multiple relationships. It's called Focus. It was written by TJ Fuller and published by Cheap Pop on October 22nd, 2020. Please enjoy. He hoped his first would be Crystal, who wiped her hand on his belly afterward, but she had planted her true love weights flag in the hill outside her megachurch. And Rachel and him only pretended to know each other in the dark room, finding corners, turning off the light, searching out seams and skin. And even though Brianna was a bragger, all they ever got was handsy, which was better than Anita, who talked him into wearing lipstick, a brighter shade than hers, the taste of their breaths the same, but wouldn't slip out of her pencil skirt, or Martin, who talked him into a fair trade, each of them avoiding eye contact, claiming each other was their first man, but he had traded with Ari and let Alex watch. In fact, after Martin, he told Eva that shame was flash paper, but he still burnt at some memories, like lying about Jessica and Aaron. It was just... He had gone so long without what everyone else already had. Or seemingly had. Because Tina told him all she'd ever done was dry, and Kristen said she was waiting for something real. Then what am I? he had asked, and she had laughed, even though he wasn't joking, couldn't kid about the way loneliness found him, buying microwave meals and thrift dishes, felt more like homesickness, each cell floating back to Sandra's bedroom or the high school dark room, even as he tongued between Kristen's legs, he felt shot through with that homesick air, and when Angela wanted a massage, he missed Kristen, always too early to what ever he might miss, which is why he keeps turning the prism of your body. Soft hairs, red mole, noticing to stay present, you, his second love, fourth dinner with the parents, seventh online official, 
first time figuring out the goddamn fucking angle. Lower, lower, tip your hips, bend back, back, higher. Almost 20 years of dreaming, undressing, planning, pretending, angling, of chocolate roses and embarrassing mixtapes and useless words, of missing the arc for the moment or the moment for the arc just to get this close and here, 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 here. T.J. Fuller writes and teaches in Portland, Oregon. You can find him on Twitter at FullerTJ. Micro is produced and hosted by me, Drew Hawkins. Original music is by Matt Ordez. You can find all of the information about this episode's writers, their featured work, and the publications where they were published in the show notes. If you enjoyed the show, check out some of our other episodes on Spotify, iTunes, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also always find our shows at micropodcast.org, and you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Podcast Micro. Thanks for listening. <laughs>